Today, we'll talk about Dr. Anthony Fauci wanting to get back in your face, and we'll talk about the guy who got in Tucker Carlson's face this weekend in Montana. It's Vincent Jason, Save the Nation. Hey guys, welcome to Vince and Jason Save the Nation. I'm Jason Nichols. I'm here with my colleague and good friend, Vince Colonnese. Today, we're going to have an interesting discussion. Vince, what do we have on tap for today? Uh, you've got the White House Chief Medical Advisor, Dr. Anthony Fauci, went on CNN this week in State of the Union with Jake Tapper, and he was asked about rising cases in the United States of the Delta variant, and also at what point might vaccinated Americans, vaccinated Americans need to put masks back on. That's right. Take a listen to this. This is uh, Jake Tapper and Dr. Anthony Fauci. I'll get your reaction on the other side. Um, We only have a little time left. I want to ask you, sources are telling CNN the top health officials are weighing whether to revise mask guidelines for vaccinated Americans. Are you part of those conversations? And if so, what are you advising? Do you think Masks should be brought back for vaccinated Americans. You know, Jake, this is under active consideration. If you're asking, am I part of of the discussion? Yes, I am part of the discussion. But I think what you are seeing, even though as of our conversation at this moment, the CDC still says and recommends that if you are vaccinated fully, that you do not need to wear a mask indoors. However, If you look at what's going on locally in the trenches in places like L.A. County, the local officials have the discretion and the CDC agrees with that ability and discretion capability to say, you know, you're in a situation where we're having a lot of dynamics of infection. So even if you are vaccinated, you should wear a mask. That's a local decision that's not incompatible with the CDC's overall recommendations that give a lot of discretion to the locals. And we're seeing that in L.A., we're seeing it in Chicago, we're seeing that in New Orleans, because the officials there, many of them are saying, even if you're vaccinated, it's prudent to wear a mask indoors. So that's a local decision. All right, Dr. Fauci, thank you so much for your time today. We really uh, appreciate it. Okay, so wearing a mask indoors yet again, even after you're vaccinated, uh, would you be good with that, with the government coming in and saying, yeah, you have to do it? Well, again, uh, if you listen to what Dr. Fauci said, I don't think that's what he's saying. He, the CDC does not have uh, the, the power to call for a national mask mandate. Uh, and he basically was saying it's a local decision. Yes, um, which and, is, the, and I think that's what I mean. That's what I mean. And, the local government would would impose right. that. So the CDC gives guidelines. Um, I personally hope that we don't get there, and the way we we you know avoid getting there is is by more Americans getting vaccinated. But um, I can also see a, a scenario, particularly with. Unfortunately, the vaccine that I have, which is Pfizer, you know, which is, uh, you know, 39% effective in terms of um, preventing infection of the Delta variant, which is the, you know, primary variant right now. Um, it will keep you from getting sick as an individual, you know, uh, from severe sickness and hospitalization is still effective with that. But, you know, certainly you can carry the virus and then spread it and then spread it to an unvaccinated individual or someone who is uh, more vulnerable. Um, of course, I don't want to see uh, 
a local government say, hey, when you're in this setting, you know, wear a mask. But right. if, if that is what it calls for in terms of public health, then I, you know, I, I would acquiesce. I'm not going to be out there arguing and, and, you know, in front of the mayor's office or county executive or whoever makes that decision. Um, if it's in the, if it's truly in the interest of public health, then I, I would, I would certainly do it. And I'd want to see the research. I think yeah. now we are at a point where the research is developed enough. In the early days, everyone was scrambling. You and I were talking even before we got on air how we didn't really know enough and everybody was just trying to grasp at straws in 2020, uh, particularly in the first half of 2020 um, about the virus. You know, was, you know, you couldn't touch surfaces or you had to, I think uh, our producer and I and, and the two of us, we were all talking about you know how you had to spray down your your uh groceries, your groceries yeah and, and all this kind of stuff that seemed kind of absurd and it seems absurd in hindsight now we have a little bit more of a clearer vision right and i think that we can find ways to deal with this but if it turns out that it is in the interest of public health and my county executive or mayor or city council with science backing them says Hey, you know, yeah. we're back to a point where we need to mask up. I'm I'm going to go with it. I think the mask mandates are stupid and I'm and I'm hoping that they don't come back. I'm with you on hoping that we don't need them, but also I don't think we should have them at all at any level of government. And here's why. Because at its core, people are going to act behaviorally the way they want to, especially in their private spaces. Uh, and that happened last year in jurisdictions where there were mask mandates and we saw plenty of spread indoors. In fact, uh, the science reveals that most of the spread does indeed happen indoors, not out, where, where you have a lot of airflow, which is um, an important thing. You're right. The vaccines are effective, and that's good at slowing down the spread, especially of any variant, including the Delta variant, uh, and also keeping people from getting severely sick. The sicker you actually are, the more symptoms you actually display, the more you can infect other people. Uh, asymptomatic people are not going to be big spreaders, which is good because they're not uh, actually expelling symptoms, which is the normal way that sicknesses uh, transmit between people. And this, the idea of the masks, like for instance, on the cloth masks, there's been research that is all over the place on the efficacy of cloth masks, including research that suggests that there's very little assist that you get from just taking a standard piece of cloth and strapping it to your ears. The N95 masks, the intense surgical masks, do apparently uh, uh, bring some benefit, especially if you and to stopping you from spreading it to somebody else. But these are all best left, in my view, to personal decisions and the decisions of the businesses that you uh, go into. So if a business makes a decision, and this has happened to me this weekend, I went out, got Chinese food for the family, the Chinese restaurant, the small little space where they have people come in to pick up the food, uh, they ask everybody to wear masks. I'm happy to put a mask on. There's no mask requirement uh, for, for my area broadly, but that business mm -hmm. asked me to do it. So I just strap it on, get the food, get out. Yeah. Um, and, you know, remember in Texas when governor Greg Abbott got rid of the mask mandate and there was a lot of hand wringing that governor Abbott had just signed death certificates for his own citizens in the press. There was nothing of the sort actually occurred. The, the picture kept on improving in Texas and people were voluntarily wearing masks of their own accord in Texas after he had lifted the government mandate. 
uh, that's the position I continue to be in on all these questions, masks, vaccines. It's a question of liberty. Make a good case for why you think people should behave the way you'd like them to behave and then and then ask them to do it. And then that's where we leave it. Uh, the government should not be mandating wearing masks or getting vaccinated. Yeah, I, I, again, I don't think the federal government is is anywhere near mandating anything in terms of vaccines, even local governments. We saw uh, Governor Kay Ivey in, in um, the least vaccinated state if, is a KIV uh, from Alabama um, saying, you know, people need to get vaccinated, which, by the way, part of the reason that Alabama is not vaccinated, I think only about 30, low 30 percent um, of Alabama is vaccinated is because she refused to do a lot of the incentives that other states did in, in order to get people um, vaccinated. So you didn't get uh scholarships and lotteries and things that many states like my state did uh with our republican governor and it it <clears throat> resulted in in um a large case excuse me of people who are vaccinated and and even though our cases are going up slightly um the the overwhelming percentage of people are vaccinated and we're not even close to mask mandates there are certain settings where people are expected to wear masks and the thing is, those private businesses that you mentioned, I think your approach is fine in terms of, hey, a business asked me to wear a mask. Right. A lot of times those businesses will also provide the mask. Um, and, you know, I've been in places where they're like, hey, if you need a mask, here's one, you know, um, but we would prefer that you wear a mask. I have no problem with that, you know, and, and there's places even where in my mind, I'm like, does this make sense? But the business wants it. I'm good with it. I was at the yeah. dentist the other day and I was like, but I'm going to be opening my mouth. <laughs> like what? Like, why do I need a mask just to take the mask off? Yeah. You know, but, you know, um, you know, I, I think a business has has the, the freedom to do that. Right. And if you don't like that, then patron patronize another business. Um, and so, you know, what you see a lot is these people who are talking about their freedoms trying to tell another business how they should run their business and keep their customers safe and that's where i think the problem comes in and that's solved by saying look everybody has to wear one you know what i mean <laughs> like so i think that's part of the thinking in having some of these local mask mandates is Can because go ahead well i want to ask you a question have you uh, flown on a plane lately by any chance I have not. No. Okay. So, I so I there there is one place where we can definitely talk about there being a federal mandate that is on planes. So it it, it is continues to be a federal mandate that on commercial planes that everybody wear masks, um, and it's been a source of like a lot of consternation. There've been a lot of people um, taken off of flights for refusing to put masks on, and it's one of the number one reasons that we're seeing any any sort of onboard drama this year. There's been a bunch of stories about this. Is that a good policy that we keep mandating that every single person on an airplane wear a mask? Um, so I, one of the things that, you know, about the, the um, that you said, and I, um, you know, I, I know that, that the CDC um, says that, you know, you should wear a mask, continue to wear a mask. All people, regardless of vaccine or vaccination status, should wear a mask on a plane. Mm -hmm. um, 
So that's the CDC guidance. And I think that airlines are going to follow the CDC guidance there. Um, I, I have heard you say that we don't need to wear masks or, or that the research uh, says that you, you know, that you don't have to wear a mask. I haven't seen that research. But my biggest concern more than the airplane is the airport, you know, um, you know, because I, I heard your argument that, you know, the recycling of the air through, a, through right. an airplane is what, you know, basically makes the, the chance of transmission lower. Um, like I said, I haven't read that research. I just looked at the CDC guideline. The CDC says everybody should wear a mask on a plane. Right. Um, I'm not sure whose research to believe. Um, but I, you know, and I haven't, I haven't read either, um, other than the CDC guidance. And, you know, I, what I would say is that the biggest concern, if what you're saying is correct, the biggest concern is the airport where you have no recycled air, it's indoors and people are lined up shoulder to shoulder or, you mm -hmm. know, uh, really close to one another and people from all walks of life, including people who are extremely vulnerable and people who uh, are young and healthy, you know, um, all packed in together in these really tight quarters indoors. Um, I think we should wear our masks in an airport um, if what you're saying is correct about an airplane, then I would leave it up to the business, you know, to make the decision. If American Airlines says you don't right. have to wear a mask, then don't right. wear a mask. Right. Uh, if uh, Delta says you have to wear a mask, you know, and you don't like that, go to American Airlines. You know what I mean? Would, would be my, um, you know, what I would say. Um, I, I don't think it's right. When you particularly, I think these airlines, I'm sure, have these guidances and uh, their rules on their website. When you book a flight, you understand what you are booking the flight, you know, what what the uh, the rules are. And therefore, you're going to follow them. You don't just get on the plane and decide you're going to create new rules. Right. Um, and, and so just like that Chinese restaurant. So. I think if it's pretty clear on the website or, you know, that you are to wear a mask on a plane, you wear the mask on the plane or you get a flight with some other business that does not require a mask. But this is this is one of those areas where it's like the government is just whiffing, I think, on something where they could be uh, instilling confidence in their decision making. So like the CDC has this recommendation that if you are vaccinated, uh, that you don't need to wear a mask inside, in, like indoors, uh, among other people who are vaccinated. You're, you're good in that way. And that continues to be their recommendation. But when it comes to airplanes, you've got the FAA mandating that everybody on board wear a mask when you've got most of the plane either vaccinated or naturally immune. And because, and I know, and I know that just based on the numbers of, of the percentage of Americans who are vaccinated and in addition, who are naturally immune, it means that, that most of the airplane doesn't need to have that mask on at all in an, in an environment where it was already very low risk for anybody to catch COVID. The data you're referring to and the argument that I've made before is that, that um, because of the filtration systems on airplanes, the chances of you catching COVID have been shown to be very low. And in addition, um, these, these airplanes, when you're 
on them. Oh, th there's never been any super spreader event ever. So in all the contact tracing that's been done, there's never been a super spreader event attributed to an airplane. Um, and for good, apparently good reason. It's just because of the, the, the massive airflow uh, that is being filtered through the system that was throughout the pandemic. So I have, I have a question um, about the, the natural immunity thing. So, um, and I, you know, I, these are, these are questions that I don't know the answer to. So, you know, you, you probably know a little better than I do. Um, my question is about um, whether the Delta variant mm -hmm. is, if you have been sick with the alpha variant or with the alpha strain, does that supposed natural immunity apply to the Delta variant? I, and the I other, okay, and one, one other question sure. along with that, follow up. Uh, we saw, you know, uh, Representative Clay Higgins, um, you know, GOP representative who, you know, repeats a whole lot of conspiracy theories that haven't been proven yet. Um, but he is uh, battling COVID for the second time and apparently not having an easy time with it um, from his own uh you know, statements that he's made about it. He, his wife and his, I believe his son are all battling COVID. And he says, this one is much more challenging. Not sure whether he has Delta, but you know, obviously that is probably the case since it's, you know, the most predominant strain um, of COVID in the United States right now. Mm -hmm. So obviously, and, and you know, we all knew this, but you can catch COVID twice. Mm-hmm. So the, the, the idea of natural immunity, couldn't that be dangerous to put out there for people who have already had COVID because they're going to think, oh, I have the antibodies, I'm immune, but then they can actually catch it again. So those, those were two questions. I don't know if you remember the they're, first. No, they're, they're great questions. So what is, um, how does natural immunity stand up to Delta if it came from a prior variant? or the, what they referred to originally as the wild type, uh, I believe, um, of COVID-19? No, it's a great question. And it's one that I put to Dr. Marty McCary of Johns Hopkins University last week. And he said that there is some evidence that natural immunity may be stronger than any of the available vaccines in confronting COVID. The typical argument about natural immunity is, oh, well, how long do the antibodies last? Or at least that's the way that the press has covered that story. Um, that doesn't give you the whole picture of the way immunity works in your body. Uh, there is long-term immunity built into your body called T-cell and B-cell immunity, which um, even though the antibodies might not be present, if you are exposed to a virus, your body will start getting charged up and it has the memory of that virus uh, in its own system. And that's when it begins to develop the antibodies to attack it. Um, they did uh, surveys of people who had survived the flu in the 1918 flu when they were um, about 100 years old. So this century, people who had experienced the flu back in 1918 and discovered that their, their body still had memory cells that could identify, identify that strain of the flu from 1918. So your body keeps very long lasting records of viruses that it's exposed to in the event that it ever is exposed to them. Again, it's an incredible thing. And the reason, my understanding, the reason why natural immunity is a pretty robust protection 
is that the vaccines train uh, the body to focus on a component of the virus, like the spike protein, uh, and in order to disable the virus and take it out. Whereas your natural immunity gives you a much more full scale sense of all of the components of the virus. Um, Dr. Marty McCary, for what it's worth, uh, although he's, he's angry that the CDC is not telling the world more about the benefits of natural immunity and how many people actually have it, um, he thinks that they should. They should be more forthcoming with it and forthcoming with guidance for people who actually have natural immunity. He's also of the opinion that if you have natural immunity, and I've heard a lot of doctors say this as well, I've, just in the research that I've done, that it's okay or maybe even encouraged to just get a single shot, for instance, of one of the two-shot courses of like a Pfizer or a Moderna, because that will confer, they say, um, a, a pretty robust defense system against COVID and all of the known variants, uh, so that the type of person who has already had COVID could feel safe with just one shot of Pfizer rather than a need to get two. That's what that's what, what I've heard so far. Um, but the point is, like, it does confer some level of immunity, right? So it's okay to to say out loud, well, that's a good thing that, you know, that out of the um, 30 million people that have been infected in the United States, we can assume that basically 10% of the country, at least, has natural immunity. Okay, yeah, that, that was... um pretty similar to what I was just looking at. And I will um, kind of respond after we take this quick break. So it, it sounds like uh, you said Marty McCary, Dr. Marty McCary. Was that yeah, Johns Hopkins University professor. Right. So uh, Dr. McCary, you know, I think is given the advice that that most people give. And it is that um, from what I'm looking at from several different sources, that reinfection is possible, but generally reinfection is going to be milder than your initial illness if you were ill with COVID the first time. Sure. Um, you can get ill again. And there are cases like Clay Higgins where you will get sicker. Um, but in most cases, it will be milder. Um, and they are encouraging the encouraging people with natural immunity or with, uh, you know, COVID antibodies to get one shot. But the other suggestion is if you get fully vaccinated and you've been uh, infected with COVID in the past, uh, one uh, doctor called it bulletproof immunity. Like you could be immune for life. Like you, it is bulletproof you know, you're looking real, real, you're sitting prettier than people who haven't been infected, who got fully vaccinated, or people who just think that they have the antibodies. If you double up, you know, it's like, um, you know, it's like wearing two bulletproof vests. You know, you're you're pretty much going to be in, in better shape. You're up armored. So, yeah. Right, exactly. So you're, you're a lot um, better off under those circumstances. So in that case, you know, people who trust just natural immunity, um, you know, you are in better shape than someone who is completely unvaccinated and, and unafraid and has right. never had COVID, right. but you're still somewhat rolling the dice. Um, yes. I mean, just like vaccinated people, though, for that matter, it's that, you know, we've we've seen um, that there are plenty of what they call breakthrough infections with vaccinated people. And sure. you, on on average, you're going to experience a much lower 
intensity and severity and, and almost no chance whatsoever of death. That's um, so, yeah, I mean, in both cases, there are breakthrough infections for sure. Yeah. And, and another thing that's really interesting is that Delta, I was reading that Delta and Alpha, we'll call it Alpha, you know, sure. or sure. Wild, we, we called it Wild. Um, wild Alpha is what I like. <laughs> uh, you know, with that, that the, the symptoms are different, you know, or can can be different, like with the, the Alpha strain or, or the Wild strain, um, people lost sense of, of taste and smell. Yep. Um, and that doesn't generally happen with Delta. Oh, is that true? I didn't realize that. Now I, I yeah. had, I had COVID. Yeah. And I, and I lost yeah. my taste and smell. Yeah. So, you know, you didn't have Delta. <laughs> you know, that was, yeah, there you go. You know, that was probably the, um, the original strain. Um, Delta is much more like respiratory. You feel the, the respiratory upper respiratory, uh, symptoms. Hmm. much more than, you know, taste and smell and some of the other things that were happening with COVID, the original strain. Yeah, I was really scared that my taste wouldn't come back. I had heard some stories that people were going for months yeah. without without having taste and smell back. I don't know if anybody's permanently been disabled from their taste and smell, but that is a nightmare to me. For sure. I, I, I don't know. I guess maybe like most people, I just, I love the complexity of food and drink and, and great smells. Like I was just, it was, I was just like this I mean, monotone world where I couldn't experience anything. I was literally taking, I would pour myself a shot of whiskey and like hold it up to my nose. And I would take like a long pull on it just with my nose, just to smell it, to see if I could get my senses activated. I'd open an orange and like smell the orange and like, I was doing everything I could to see if I could reactivate my senses. Now nah, you were um, just drinking whiskey because you wanted to get loaded. <laughs> <laughs> well, it went down real easy because you don't taste anything. It's like crazy. It's crazy. Well, no, I, I, I think um, I, I had a family member who had COVID and they lost their, their sense of taste and smell for a while. Uh, it came back. Yeah. But, you know, it, it was for, for quite a while. And I mean, it's like losing one of your senses. I don't think it's as intense as maybe losing your sight. Right. But it is, you know, something that we are accustomed to. Um, think of what a nuisance it is uh, when you get a stuffy nose and you, you, you know, of course, there's the breathing issue, but there's also like not being able to smell and taste things. Yeah. Is really frustrating. It's also um, critical for it's also critical for survival, too. I mean. For Being sure. able to smell is like a way you can detect gas leaks, for instance, yeah. or or like if a, if there's a dead animal somewhere in your house, I've had like a mouse caught in a mouse trap. You can smell that it's the, oh gotta get there's a mouse in there somewhere. You can smell right. it. Uh, you know, it's like it's like stuff like that. You you begin to really appreciate the value of a sense that you kind of take for granted. That's all. For sure. I mean, you smell you know smell smoke. You smell there are yeah. lots of things. Um, that are important in terms of, of smell, you know, um, and smell and taste are very much related, you know, um, that's why you hold your nose when you want to eat something disgusting. Right. Exactly. Um, so, I mean, that, that is, you know, very much, uh, upsetting and debilitating. Like I said, I don't think it's quite as intense as like say losing your sight, but you're losing no. two of your senses. Yeah. You know what I mean? And, and that's, you know, there's a reason we have five senses and, you know, losing two of them would be pretty difficult. 
Let me, um, I want to jump to our next video and, and get your reaction to this. Um, something crazy that played out in a, uh, a beautiful state where that would enrich your senses. Should you visit Montana? Um, we had, uh, our buddy Tucker Carlson was out there this weekend, uh, trying to fly fish as maybe most of the world knows now. Uh, and, uh, let me show you this video. You take a look at it and we'll talk about it after, after you get a chance to take a look. Okay, so, okay, my, my, don't my, even get my, 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 I don't care, man. Okay, just do it. You are the worst human being known to man. I want you to keep it going to this thing, to the United States, to everything else in this world. I don't care that you're not here. What you have done to people's families, what you have done to everybody else in this world. Son. Settle down, son. Um, that was a kind of remarkable moment. So this guy, I guess, hands the phone to somebody he, who he knows. He posted it to his social media account, or, or at least somebody else shot it for him, to confront Tucker Carlson inside of a fly fishing shop uh, and to tell him, you're one of the worst people in the world. He blamed him for killing people in the United States. He said, I don't care that your daughter's here, you could hear him say. Uh, and uh, Tucker said, I'm not going to debate you. Settle down, son. Um, how do we feel about accosting people we disagree with in public? Uh, <laughs> I think we we all disagree with it and, and think that it's awful. Um, I think, you know, this is one of the things about our culture right now um, that that's frustrating for me um, is that because of social media and things like that, everyone thinks they should have ultimate access to you, you know, and, you know, whether it's through email, whether it's a phone call, whether, whether it's any of that and, you know, tell you what they think because they need to hear from you. Um, again, I think this was a mere annoyance for, for, for Tucker. Um, the guy got what he wanted out of it. I don't think it, it ruined anyone's day. Uh, you know, I, I've seen people saying, oh, this man should be arrested. I think that's way overstated. Tucker was in no danger. Nobody was in any danger. The guy wasn't really a threat. He was just an annoyance. But I think, you know, for all of you out there, just stop that. You know what I mean? Like, you know, call him an a-hole from a distance. You know what I mean? Um, these people, you know, whether you disagree with, whether you agree with them or you disagree with them, leave them alone. Um, I, I, it reminds me, it brought me back to a situation that Mitt Romney, do you remember when Mitt Romney was in the airport and some woman came and, you know, with her camera and, and was harassing Mitt Romney while he was, you know, sitting in an airport on his laptop. You remember that? Vaguely. I, you have a better memory of this than I do. What, yeah, do, you, I mean, do you remember it, what, what happened? Yeah. I mean, she was like, why aren't you supporting president Trump? And, you uh, know, oh. Mitt, you know, Mitt Romney was like, look, I support him on the things we agree on. And then I, you know, I, I'm my own man. I'm a real right. man. So I'll, I'll disagree where I disagree. Right. You know, um, which I think Mitt Romney's mistake was responding. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah, just, just don't respond to people like that. And like people were literally harassing Mitt Romney in the airport when he's just trying to catch a flight. Yeah. Now, I disagree with Mitt Romney probably, you know, I think he agrees with Trump more than I agree with Mitt Romney, but yeah. still, I, you know, I'm not going to harass Mitt Romney. As a matter of fact, 
you know, if I go in there, I'll probably, you know, take a picture with the guy and be like, I don't like this guy, but he was in the airport. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not going to harass these people. I think that it's, it doesn't accomplish anything, you know, other than getting you some clicks and likes. Yeah. And which is not currency. You can't take that to the bank. You can't feed your kids with it. <laughs> you know, leave people alone. You know what I mean? And if you have an issue with Mitt Romney, I don't think you should leave him alone if you're one of his constituents. I think you call his office. You know what I mean? I think you yeah. write letters. I, I think, think there are ways to approach these people without uh, without having to, um, you know, harass them when they're trying right. to catch a flight or when they're with their families or when they're trying to eat dinner or something like that. I, I think there's like levels to this and like like normal people can sort through them. Um, you know, if you saw a public official in office, like in public, and who is affecting your life and you wanted to speak a piece of your mind to them, I'm not really opposed to that at all. Like that's, I think that's a very American thing to do actually. So like Mitt Romney being at an airport where a, a lady wants to point a camera at him and say, you know, like, why aren't you supporting Trump more and him, you know, having to respond to it. I don't feel like he's that put out. Obviously, Shouting, shouting him down in his face, and people if, surrounding him, and when he moves, you're moving with him. I think that that's that's a little bit much. I think yeah. you can call his office. So, like, without I, I'll take your word for it on the video. But my my point is like, it's okay to to confront a public official to say something to them. But like, I think we should do it obviously with with respect uh and respect for the circumstances like if they're literally with their family or their young children like what do you like does it does it really require that you do that in front of their kids like you know there's obviously some limits right and you should draw them i don't think it's a good idea to go to people's houses i, I think that is no. i think that is threatening uh Absolutely. to do and um going and whether you know in some cases we've seen activists gra uh, graffiti people's homes and um and leave messages and all sorts of dirty things and i'm talking about uh this is a bipartisan phenomenon it's definitely happened in, in two directions i think that's awful and so i think there's a reason why we go to city hall we go to um to the capitol building we go to the white house we we go to those public buildings, public places, and we make our voices heard um, and you don't bring it to people's homes. And then there's the the phenomenon of like people who are on television getting accosted in public in the way they handle it. I did, did think it was interesting to compare like, you remember, so this is Tucker, he's standing in a fly fishing shop and this guy's getting in his face and telling him how much he hates him. Uh, uh, that emotionally incontinent weirdo. He could have just stood back and just like been like, hey, Tucker, I really don't like your politics. I think you're doing bad things to America. If that's what he wanted to say, he could have. But instead, he wanted to turn it into like a big social media point scoring opportunity for himself. But I'm also reminded of remember when Chris Cuomo was confronted by that dude who had, like was talking smack to Chris Cuomo, the CNN host. And Chris yeah. was like, um, he's like, yeah, like something to the effect of like, you better watch it, buddy. or I'm going to throw you down these stairs. Do you remember that? Yeah, uh, yeah. I, I've been asking some friends. They've had some mixed reactions to this. Um, some think that that was one of the coolest things Chris Cuomo's ever done. <laughs> um, but uh, you've you really got to be on guard if you're like a like a person with a big audience. There are people who are, especially if they, especially if they don't agree with you politically, who are looking for a great opportunity to take you down just in some 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 moment like that. 
And I thought Tucker maintained his composure pretty well, actually, in the sure. face of that. Yeah, no, I, I agree. Um, I think Tucker handled it, you know, as as well as possible. Um, I didn't think, again, the guy did kind of get in his face, but he wasn't shouting and pointing in his face. He was like, I think you're the worst person in America. You know what I mean? Tucker actually, you know, um, you know, put his hand on the guy. You know what I mean? Yeah, because he was in his because he was in his face. I mean, I don't think yeah, Tucker no, was trying to lay hands on the guy. You know what I mean? No, 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 no. I, and I'm not implying that. You know, I, I think. But the thing is, in, in if the guy wanted a reason to escalate it, you know what I mean? Like the touching could have totally <laughs> escalated it. You know uh -huh. what I mean? The, I think the guy just wanted to make a point, or you know, get on social media and yeah. be you know, get his stuff run on MSNBC and CNN and, you know, and even Fox, you know, to say how terrible he is and some people to say how great he is. I like that. I like that. There's that, that unspoken rule though. It's like when two dudes are like staring each other down, it's like one, the other first touches the other, then it's on. Yeah. Then like, then things can move. It's not just the remember, stick off the shoulder. You know what I mean? I, yeah. I just remember like these, these high school fights where like, you get in the face of somebody else and you're like face to face, but nobody's actually touched one another yet. It's just like a yeah. heightened level of anger. But you know that as soon as you, as soon as one hair touches one skin cell, then it's on. <laughs> right. Yeah. No, I mean, and honestly, like if I'm face to face and that guy, you know, is, is getting up there and he wants to tell me how terrible I am. I'm going to be like, all right, bro, keep it moving. I'm done. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but if he starts touching me, you know what I mean? I think That's that right. does escalate it, you know? And and the guy, you know, despite being touched, you know, you can see he didn't really want to fight is what I'm is what I'm saying. Um, he just wanted to score some points. Um, and you know, the the guy who was harassing Chris Cuomo, the same sort of thing. It, it's just ridiculous. I think going to somebody's home, you better be across the street. You know what I mean? If you want to protest, you know, Vincent Jason saved the nation and you're like, I hate Jason Nichols and you want to be across the street. There's nothing I can say about that. Once you start getting on my property, you know I, what I mean? I think that's a different story because then it's a threat. I don't then know, I man. think you're you're I trying know, to man. threaten me. Hold up I, a sign across the street. You know, I'd be like, yo, do you have a job? No, <laughs> like, man, you, I. Really I guess so. I'm telling you right now, if people showed up at your house and they were hanging out across the street and protesting you, I'd round up a posse and just go. Yeah. <laughs> just be like, there's no way you're threatening Jason at his house. That's insane. Yeah. Well, again, uh, I, I would film it and I would think it was hilarious. I would do the social media thing. I'd be like, look at these guys. You I know? guess, but. And but I'd be guys, hyped that, it, that Vincent Jason Save the Nation was that popular that people actually wanted to come out and protest. But That's true. But you've, you got, know, but you've got kids, though. I mean, it's absolutely. just like. It's just like I'm one of the child. The although I'm not part of the childless left. Uh, you know, no man, you get you get multiple votes under the JD Vance scheme. That's cool. <laughs> um, anyway, that's it, that's that whole thing. That whole thing is just obnoxious, and I feel bad for Tucker. And obviously, I speak from a position of a lot of bias here, so I'm trying to yeah. detach myself enough to think about it objectively. But that guy, I mean there is a real 
downside. Obviously, everything in life is trade-offs, but there's a tremendous downside. I, this is not him talking, obviously. This is my perspective. God, there must be that downside of like, okay, yeah, you get paid well. You've got a great rated show. That's on the strength of his ability to attract an audience, clearly. Um, but at the same time, like, he can't go anywhere without having confrontations that look like that. Like, and I'm not talking about on video. I'm talking about like people routinely just harassing him, getting in his face, screaming disgusting things at him, his inability to even go through and uh, through an airport. Just as far as I'm, my impression is that that is just a nonstop occurrence. And that sounds miserable. I mean, like there's, TV is a weird forum because like, I, I, I kind of think you kind of said it earlier. It's like, I think people feel entitled. Like they feel like they know them personally, right. that they can do that to a guy just because they saw him on TV. I know some people in radio who, you know, have, you know, pretty influential voices, but people don't even know what they look like, really. So they can have like a basic like life. They can go out to dinner. Nobody harasses them. Nobody's like screaming at them. Not so with TV. TV, you do TV and you do it regularly and you're successful at it and you've got a big audience. Man, you can't go anywhere. Yeah, I mean, if if I were Tucker, I would have told the dude to put a mask on. He was too close. That's right. He needs a mask mandate. (laughs) Yeah, but no, I, I, you know, um, I, I agree that it is a trade-off. Um, I think everybody wants fame until they get it, and then they realize, you know, fame isn't isn't what it's all cracked up to be. Um, you know, what, regardless of what you're famous for, right? Um, you can imagine what it must be like, you know to be LeBron James or to be, you know, you, you literally can't go anywhere. Some people, half America loves you. And then half of America is Vince Colonnais. And no, I'm <laughs> um, but you also know, like, and, and then, all like, you do is play basketball. You know? And then what but percentage people, of your relationships are like completely phony? You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like how many people are just around you because they're attracted to your wealth and your power and they just want to be in that glow. And, it's a weird thing, you know. It must be must be a very weird thing. Yeah, no, I, you know, um, I still think in many ways, you know, these are first world problems. Uh, you know, I think, you know, um, if you are uh, afforded the kind of wealth that some of these guys are, yeah, I think that you know that's that's the trade off, and and that's what you sign away is some of that privacy. Um, but I think it's it's cool. There are a lot of people out there who in, in Tucker's position would have security around. Him. You know, Tucker can afford security, but he he lives his life like a regular person. And mm-hmm. I think that that's a good thing. Chris, Chris Cuomo, I don't know if he can afford security, but, you know, um, and he better be able to take care of himself because he's, you know, he's freaking super <laughs> diesel. But either way. Um, to avoid that kind of stuff. And, and honestly, <laughs> if I were Tucker or Chris Cuomo, I might have security. Because, yeah. Cuomo you know, has Chris- security, but what he does is he'll, whenever he gets a new detail, he'll beat one of the guys up to send a message to the other guys <laughs> on the team. <laughs> Who's the alpha here? <laughs> yeah. I'm, Just so you guys I mean, know, I don't really need you. <laughs> yeah, right. I'm protecting you. Uh, you know, I, I think Chris Cuomo, but again, it's a liability thing. You know, again, that guy got up in Tucker's face but wasn't, you know, really threatening. If Tucker had decked him, he would have sued Tucker. He would have been like, oh my God, thank you. <laughs> you know what I mean? And he would have had a lawsuit. Same thing with Chris Cuomo, if he had picked that guy up and thrown him down the steps, maybe the guy deserved it, but guess what? Lawsuit, yeah. you know, against Cuomo. 
Um, and so to me, uh, and, and a lot of those lawsuits, you know, people settle them just to get rid of them. So the guy makes some money and all he does is have a couple of bruises. Um, I think that's, you know, um, the thing, the reason why you have security around you, why also you just, have people protecting you. Just who, one who final point on one final point on this guy. And I'll give you the last word on it. I, he's like a fly fishing guide. Apparently that's how he's being described in the press. Clearly mm -hmm. he has not been fly fishing enough lately because that guy is not relaxed. He is like, that guy is about as high strung as you can get. And that does not make sense. If you've ever done any fly fishing, that is like one of the most relaxing experiences you can possibly have. So that guy needs to get back out on the water and stop acting like a crazy person. <laughs> I don't, I mean, again, I saw the video and you know, um, I, I, it's, it's a, it's a precarious position for me to say that, you know, Tucker Carlson and I are friends because people will be like, how dare you? How dare um, you be friends with someone with an opposing view? Yeah, no, I mean, I hate the guy's politics 100%. You know what I mean? Like there's 50, probably, 50%. Yeah, I, I'd, I'd say there's, there's, a, there are a few things that we find agreement in. I'm not going to say that we disagree on everything. Sure. But we disagree on the vast majority of things. Okay. Um, but we agree on, on things like, you know, we love our families, you know, we, we have good conversations. And I think a lot of people also, and you and I have talked about this off air, um, we're going to, we're going to spill the beans here and let you guys know, you think all of these left wing hosts and right wing hosts hate each other because they talk about each other on air. It's BS. <laughs> you know what I mean? A lot of them are friends, you know, and they get along or if they're not friends, they're friendly. I think the um, thing to look out for is like the guys who actually attack each other on the air. I'm not talking about like people who are put on the same screen on Fox, right? Like, like, like I was debating Jessica Tarlov this weekend on Fox news. I don't know Jessica very well, but I would, I'm sure I'd get along with her perfectly fine. She seems like a nice person. I disagree Lovely with her. Um, I love Jessica. She's but that's, amazing. But that's different than the guys who go on TV and then attack each other between networks. Right. So like the CNN hosts who make it their full-time job to attack Tucker and Tucker's attacks on all of those guys. That stuff's personal. I mean, that's not, I don't think, I don't, those guys are not getting along. And certainly Tucker's not, go, you know, getting along with those guys. You think Tucker doesn't get along with like Rachel Maddow? Rachel Maddow doesn't attack Tucker. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I mean, I, but, wait, I don't let me know, but I know they get along. I, I'm pretty sure they get along. She and might, gonna... she, she might attach to attack Tucker. I, I'll, I'll, I'll retract that for a moment in the sense that I haven't been watching her. But here's what I know about Rachel Maddow Rachel Maddow got her job at MSNBC because of Tucker. So Tucker brought her in when Tucker was um, the host of his own program on MSNBC as kind of the, the loyal opposition. And he loved having her on air, encouraged MSNBC to do it, and had her all the time. Uh, and Maddow is very grateful to Tucker um, and has said so. And so, yeah, no, you're right. There are some relationships, interesting yeah. ones. I mean, look at Maddow's the highest rated host on MSNBC. Tucker's the highest rated host on Fox News. Uh, yeah. That's a big deal. Um, but uh, I mean, right. there, are definitely, there are definitely relationships that I think people aren't aware of. I, I'm, I'm, I, hope, I hope no one gets upset with me, but I'm, I'm going to out it. You know what I mean? <laughs> um, I, know, I know Tucker and Al Sharpton get along. I know that for a fact. You know what they, I mean? They have for years. I don't know about yeah. lately, but I know they have yeah, for I, years. I, I, don't, I don't know that they're texting each other like, you know, 
hey, did you watch the game last night? Right. But I I know that they that they have a prior relationship. You know, um, I know like all these guys like that that of course there's this idea that they hate each other, but I think there's a lot of humanity. I mean, what was it? Um, what is her name? Laura Ingram used to date um the guy who says the worst person in the world. Used Keith to, you know, Olbermann? Keith Olbermann. They used to date. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? I know that for a fact. Like that, that's Wikipedia. I'm not giving away any secrets. Oh, I was gonna say, know. is that true? I don't I don't remember that particular detail. She but dated she dated him. It. And she dated Dinesh D'Souza. <laughs> I guess it depends on the person. I mean, some people really do dictate their life around politics. Uh, yeah. So they will, they'll have a loathing for someone whose politics disagree with them. Um, I can only speak from what I know of like Tucker, for instance, and you know this, that's not the thing that animates his like or dislike for people. It's not their politics. Right. He's totally interested in people's politics and wants to, and uh, you know, and if you can make a great case for why your politics are better, he's open-minded about it actually. So um Anyway, it's kind of kind of interesting, but you're right. No, there's definitely a lot more going on behind the scenes. And also there's people who are in cable news in particular who attack other people who are doing it only because their boss has told them to. They don't actually care about it at all. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, listen, um, in, in terms of individuals, you know, like I can, there are friends of mine. I have friends who, you know, based on religion or what have you yeah. are – you know, disagree with me a hundred percent. I have one of my best friends in the world. I would consider to be, he wouldn't consider himself to be, but based on a lot of things he says, I would consider to be anti LGBT. You know what I mean? And I'm, you know, pro LGBT rights, I'm pro gay marriage, I'm all that. And um, this is based on, is it a religious view? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, it's a religious view. Because it's and, like his more traditional Christian views of things. Right. And, you know, we we pretty much I mean, we try to avoid the subject. It always seems to come up and we always seem to fight about it. Like, you know, I think we're you know, this is one of my oldest friends. Shout out to him. I love him. You know, yeah, we're we're finally at the age where we don't come to blows. But, you know, we used you know, we've known each other forever. So we you know, we've done it all. But you know, we argue and argue and argue. And, uh, you know, I should realize by now that I'm not going to sway him, you know, to see things like we've argued statistics. We've argued the Bible. We've yeah. pulled out religious texts. We've done everything. What if you made it um, personal for him? How about what if you told him you were gay? Um, well, I don't think he would believe that. <laughs> I'm just saying, you if know? you really have you tried everything? <laughs> yeah, I haven't. I haven't tried that. Um, I, I haven't tried that. Um, you know, I don't, I will say this. I think he would see, he would say that would add credence to his idea that he's not L- anti LGBT. You know what I mean? Like, see, you're my best friend and you're gay. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, you know, so he would, I don't, I don't think that would just embolden his argument. Like, I don't okay. think it would challenge okay. it. I'm glad we war gamed that that scenario though, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> just to make sure. Yeah, um, I, I would try that, but I don't want him to tell my wife that. Yeah, and, no, uh, that could kind like, of ruin it. You know, I've been hearing some things. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I, I'm a. Um, I think we can, 
build relationships and build friendships and yep. and and you know openly when when politics are are brought up and and yeah. it's a, a good setting to bring up politics we can have the discussions and right you know there there are certain situations where i can be swayed like the last thing where we were talking about uh the last episode where we were talking about billionaires in space yeah you know i was like oh my god this is ridiculous this is terrible but you made a good point about the fact that him that these guys building space vehicles um is employing people and i never thought about that and you know that kind of changed my view on the whole thing if you want to spend money you know on leisure and it's employing people and all that who am i to tell you you're wrong um you know i think the common theme that you're hitting though between all these things as we kind of wrap this up is just that in order for us to have to have productive conversations as a country, you have to have the conversations for real. So it can't be uh, just a pose. It can't be a front. It can't be social media. It can't be like taking pot shots at people. It can't be going and confronting them inside of a fly fishing store and capturing it on video and then releasing it to the world. That doesn't, that doesn't actually lead to progress. What leads to progress is robust, productive conversations where you lay out what you believe, why you believe it, and then try and convince the other person or be open to having your mind, mind changed. So yeah, okay, you're going to keep talking to your best friend for years to come. You may never agree, but at least you've had a productive conversation and you're not at each other's throats about it. And well, I think the, the big problem right now um, is that some of the leaders on both sides, but certainly you know what I've experienced is on the right, you know, uh, the Democrats, it's the Democrats, it's the radical left. They don't listen to what the radical, what the so-called radical left has to say or what their motivation is, or even listen to the motivation. And now it's, you know, it's ballooned to the point where you have these conspiracy theories that people are out killing children and drinking their blood, you know? Um, and I, you know, people with their nicknames, oh, this person is a a demon rat instead of a Democrat or, or whatever. All these kinds of things don't lead to productive conversation, you know, or this person is a maggot, you know, and, instead of MAGA or whatever. I think that, again, you know, if you want to uh, make this nation progress, we have mm -hmm. to be willing to talk to each other from time to time. There are times where you can give up too. Like, don't do it at the expense of your mental health. You know, don't yeah. don't sit there and try to convince people that can't be convinced and are tossing ad hominem insults and things like that. Those people, let them go. You know what I mean? Like if they don't have, if they don't want a productive conversation, then you won't right. have one. Right. You know, um, what is the old saying? You know, arguing with the fool from a distance, you can't tell who's who. So don't, don't you know, do that. But if someone is like, well, I'd like to hear your point of view, let's have a productive conversation. Um, maybe you don't change each other's minds, you know? Um, and that's one of the things about, you know, cable news that I don't like is that it encourages this idea of bias confirmation. You know, everybody just wants to hear their, their views repeated back to them sure. instead of seeing, you know, people conversate, you know, have a real conversation across the aisle and across the ideological spectrum. That's why you should come to Vince and Jason Save the Nation. And you should like and you should subscribe to Vince and Jason Save the Nation and watch them on uh, Facebook Watch, watch them on YouTube and anywhere where a podcast is found. We are with you every Monday, Wednesday, 
and Friday. We're going to have some exciting interviews from all over the political spectrum. We're going to have some right. left-wing people. We're going to have some right-wing people. We're going to have some people who are nonpartisan, just experts. Um, and I want to say that it's a big pleasure to be here with my good buddy, Vince Colonnese. Uh, even though I disagree with the guy, he's still he's still someone <laughs> that, you know, I like seeing and I like hanging out with, had dinner with his family. Yeah. It's a good thing. Jason, and even though you're perpetually wrong, I really appreciate you too. <laughs> Thank you, man. No doubt. Take it easy.